First, I'd like to uh, share with you a little bit about who I am and how the Lord has used me uh, in Vietnam over the years. And then I'd like us to spend some time in the Word looking through Mark. Um, let's start with a prayer. Father, we just thank you for your presence here this morning. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus, his death on the cross, his paying the price for us to be able to come into your presence, and the fact that he came to life again. He's resurrected. He's given us a reason to live. We have a hope. We have eternity to be with you. Thank you so much for that. And also, Lord, uh, we pray for this morning as, as I'm speaking, as people are listening, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be working through me, change my thoughts, change the words that I would speak, and that your Holy Spirit would be working in each one here, that they would only hear what you want them to hear, and that they would be changed, they would be moved to action, and that they would be more pleasing to you in some way. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I uh, came to Christ when I was 19 at uh, Acadia University in Nova Scotia. And uh, it was through the ministry of uh, the Navigators. Um, they're like the, the bad boys of the power to change. You know, the power to change has it all right and we do it all wrong. But, <laughs> but uh I was discipled uh, there uh, in my teens, and as soon as I came to faith, I was gripped with the idea that my life is to be used for Jesus. I was young, I was 19, I had the world before me. By 19, I had traveled almost on every continent because my dad was a construction manager and we moved everywhere. And so I had, you know, the, oral, the world was my oyster, but I was unhappy. I just did not, I felt like there was no purpose to my life. But when Jesus came into my life, there was purpose. And so I said, Lord, I, I surrender my life for you. Use me as you wish. So at 21, I was able to go to Romania as an undercover missionary, uh, I smuggled Bibles across the Iron Curtain and uh, experienced for the first time in my life that God was real. Miracles that would happen right before my eyes. One of the very, the first one that I could say I really saw God at work was when we were crossing the border between Hungary and Romania and uh, I had a bag full of Bibles and uh, the the customs officers with their AK-47s were going from, from cabin to cabin, and I was really scared. And I said, Lord, uh, don't let them ask me any questions I can't answer. I don't want to lie, so please don't let them ask any questions, and please blind their eyes. And so when they came in, there were four people in the compartment. They asked, they went from people, person to person asking, do you have contraband? Do you have pornography? Do you have whatever? When it came to me, they said, do you have weapons? <laughs> I said, no, I don't have any weapons. <laughs> Thank you. And they searched through all my bags. They searched through everything. And then they left. And, and it just dawned on me 
that my backpack full of Bibles was just in front of them, just by the window, and they didn't even see it. And praise the Lord. And so I was able to deliver that to a Romanian house church, and they were so thrilled and overjoyed to have Bibles. And this was when Ceausescu was in power, the worst of, of uh, the situation in Romania. And that was my first taste of being in missions. And it just gave me the desire that, God, I want to see more of you. I want to experience you. And I want to do whatever it takes to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. So that led me to university where I got a chemical engineering degree that way so I could be used of God in countries that are closed to missionaries. So I'm one of these non-traditional missionaries where you go uh, as a tent maker. They call it, Paul used to make tents. So you go and, and work in a country, and being there, you share the gospel. So that led me to China, Hong Kong, and eventually into Vietnam, and where we, my wife and I spent 20-plus years. Uh, it's amazing uh, how God gifted me with a wonderful wife. You know that song we, sa- we sang, He Gives and he takes away. Well, he gave me a wonderful wife. She was just, you never traveled the world before. She was a a true blue noser from Halifax. That's what they call Nova Scotians, blue nosers. From Halifax, she never left anywhere, and she followed me all over the world. And she went, she took our one-year-old baby into China when Tiananmen just happened. Other mission agencies pulled their missionaries. But the navigators said, missionaries have died in China before. (laughs) And we went. (laughs) Yeah, missionaries used to bring their belongings in their coffins. Half of them never made it to the mission field. Thank you very much. I'm bringing my one-year-old son into China. So that's how our, our, our career started, and we saw, started seeing God do things. You know, there are three principles for ministry. Uh, this just came out of my head. I'll share it with you, Lauren, and the leaders of this church. There are three principles to ministry. Number one, show up. If you don't show up, nothing ain't going to happen. Show up. If God says, go here, help there, do this, do that, show up. If you don't show up, nothing happens. Number two, if you're there, be all there. Don't be somewhere else. Don't be half-hearted. Be all there. Number three, it takes time. It takes a lot of time, a lot of sweat, a lot of tears, a lot of prayers, a lot of fasting, a lot of being on your knees. It takes time. And God works. And so we've seen God work in Vietnam, where we went in with an NGO and we started uh, bringing medical supplies to a country that was embargoed by the U.S. and hadn't opened to the world. They were needy for medical supplies. They were needy for training They were needy for agricultural specialists, 
And so we brought in all of these needs that they had, and we started working with the leadership, with the Communist Party members. Vietnam still is a closed country where missionaries can't go, where the government is still oppressive to the church. But that doesn't stop God's people. It doesn't stop the Word of God. The Word of God is never fettered. And actually, I would dare to say Christians in Vietnam are stronger, are more faithful, are more on their knees in prayer, see God at work in a much more mighty way than we do here in Canada. I'm sorry, brothers and sisters, we're asleep. We are asleep here. We don't know the authority that God has given for us. We don't know how God can use each of us to make a difference in this world. And Satan wants us to stay asleep because when we pursue our passions, when we play our games, when we run after our goods and our toys, we forget why we're here. We're for, we forget that we're called to battle. There is a battle going on, and it's the battle for the souls of men and women. Because there is going to be an eternity with God, and there's going to be an eternity without God. I don't know about you, but I want to bring as many people with me into that eternity with God. So in Vietnam, uh, we started working with uh, training up house church leaders. The first thing that we saw was, was right after uh, um, Vietnam kind of closed its doors, a lot of people left the country, and, and you, you, you remember all those boat people that left? Well, many of them en- ended up in camps in, in the Philippines, Indonesia, in Hong Kong, and God raised up missionaries to go to those camps and to teach them English, to help them out, and many came to Christ. Well, many of them were not able to continue on their journey. The UN decided to repatriate a lot of them. So what happened was a lot of these people in the camps had to return to Vietnam. So these are natural missionaries forced to return to their country. And when they come back home, and they share with their families, their relatives, about what God has done for them, house churches started to spring up everywhere. You know, a person would come in, would share with their family and the extended family, 30 people, 40 people, 60 people come to Christ. And this person said, I just came to Christ. What do I do with all these people? And so my wife and I came alongside them and trained them and helped them how to lead in a church, how to pray for your congregation, how to help your congregation grow. And so that's, we did that for many years. So, so a lot of the early foundation of missionaries, uh, of, of uh, house church pastors in Vietnam, were, uh, we were privileged to be a part of their raising them up. And then later, God led us to open a, a school, uh, a professional training school where we helped people study English, helped them with skills, job skills uh, in the service industry. I became a, um, a uh, 
corporate trainer. <laughs> well, here's a story about corporate trainer, you know. One day I was driving to this five-star hotel, and I, my job was to do butler training, you know. <laughs> butler training. So, yeah, they called me, Charlie, can you do up, upselling? Sure, I can do upselling. Hang up the phone. Google, what is upselling? <laughs> so I go, and I'm driving to, to school and uh, to this hotel, and I'm saying, Lord, what am I doing in Vietnam teaching people how to serve hoity-toities? Like, why am I doing this? I should be preaching the gospel. I should be doing all this stuff. Why am I just going to teach these guys how to be good servants? So I was complaining. Sometimes I talk to the Lord and, you know, since it's okay to talk to the Lord complainy-wise. Don't grumble. You can complain. But anyway, I went uh, to, to the school and this young man came up to me and he says, teacher, teacher, I got to show you something. So he pulls me aside and he pulls up his shirt. He pulls up his shirt. In English, in big Gothic letters, tattooed on his body, must forgive, hard to do, but must do, in English, what do you say? I looked at his his tattoo and I said, that must have hurt. (laughs) He said, not as much as not forgiving. He says, do you know, remember when in the class you told us that there are two biggest lessons human beings need to learn? The first lesson is we need to know how to say, I am sorry. God, I am sorry. I'm sorry. Wife, I'm sorry. Husband, I'm sorry. Children, I'm sorry. Parents, I'm sorry. First thing we need to learn to say is, I am sorry. The second thing we need to learn to say is, I forgive you. I forgive you. And he he said, when you said that in the class, it really touched me because I hated my wife because something she did to me. And I decided at that point that I'm going to forgive her. And it changed my life. So on the way home, I'm driving this motorbike back home, and the Lord says, see, that's why you're teaching, butler, (laughs) class. (laughs) If you could just reach that one guy, it's worth it all. And that's what it is. If you serve God, not expecting any result, just serve him. The result comes, and he is glorified. And that's what it's all about. So uh, recently, uh, ministry has led us to, uh, well, there was a hiatus. So the Lord gives and he takes away. So uh, beginning of 2021, just right before, like right during the COVID shutdown, my wife said, I can't walk up these steps. Why, why can't I walk up these steps? What's going on? Oh, maybe you, you have a vitamin B deficiency. Let's go check out the doctors when the two-week shutdown is over. So right after, the doctor checked her out, sent her have an MRI, 
did all kinds of things and says, I'm sorry to tell you that it's uh, ALS. Please go home and get a second opinion. So we, we were probably one of the first people that came back to Canada during COVID time. So we were quarantined for two weeks in an apartment, waiting to get out so my, do my wife could get a doctor's appointment. And sure enough, uh, ALS. What is that? Never heard of it. No history in our family. Why? What is going on? And so that began a 13-month journey where I watched my wife die every day, where she started losing her ability to walk, her ability to lift things, her ability to swallow, and finally her ability to breathe. And so it was one of the most painful experiences I've experienced in my whole life. But, you know, I learned how to love. One day I was walking around the lake, praying. Some help came in. I usually do that. I just need a break. I was her primary caregiver. And I said, Lord, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for this. You know, I wanted you to use us. We had another 20 years left. We could do all these great things. I need my wife as my partner. She was my, you know, we did everything. She was my teammate. I didn't sign up for this. We prayed for healing. We cast out demons. We did everything we could. I didn't sign up for this. And, you know, I didn't sign up to be wiping her butt. And the Lord spoke to me. and He says, would you wipe my butt, Charlie? I said, yes, Lord. I'll wipe your butt any day. He says, well, why, won't, why don't you wipe her butt for me? He says, yes, Lord, I will do that. I learned how to love during those 13 months. More than 40 years of ministry. I learned how to love. And so now the Lord gives, he takes away. So now there's a new season in ministry. Uh, the Lord's opening a door for me to be training new Christian workers in Vietnam. Uh, the last 15 years, I have entered into understanding of the ministry of Jesus. He preached the gospel, he healed the sick, and he cast out demons. The last 15 years, I've dealt with a lot of demons. Demons in my own life, demons in my family, demons in the people that we work with, demons in the church, churches that we work with. And so I'm entering into that, and I'm training up a new generation of workers in Vietnam who would enter into that. Preaching the gospel, healing the sick, casting out demons. So that's, that's a little bit about me and the ministry in Vietnam. Let's now turn to the word. Mark. Four. I'm going to start with uh, the first verse in Mark. It says, And again he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, 
and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables. So that's how the chapter began, and we went through a lot of the parables, and, and we've had some those parables explained to us uh, last week and earlier. But the passage today is from 35 on. On the same day, on the same day, meaning he had gotten in the boat earlier in the morning, he was preaching to the multitude, a lot of people, there's so many people that he had to get into a boat because they were crowding around him. Well, Jesus was constantly healing people. So people sometimes would crowd and touch him to be healed. Or uh, demons would be cast off. That's what Mark wants us to see. Whenever we look at the book of Mark's, Mark's audience was for the Roman audience. And the Romans understood power. For them, power was everything. And in Mark, the writer of Mark, wanted to demonstrate that Jesus had all authority. He had authority over the word of God. He had authority over health. He had authority, authority over demons. And so we would see snippets of his life where he demonstrated his authority. And so here we see another demonstration of authority. So he... On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him, and a great windstorm arose. And the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Another demonstration of the power of God. Here is the Son of God, God incarnate, the one who created the stars. What is the sea and the wind to him? It's interesting, uh, the Middle East, uh, this Jerusalem is close to the equator in Vietnam, it's close to the equator. When 6 o'clock comes along, the lights are turned off. There's no such thing as this gradual, you know, Canadian summer evening. 6 o'clock comes, the lights are turned off. So here it was evening had come. The lights have turned off. Let's go to the other side. In the dark. Let's go to the other side. In the dark. And Jesus had ministered all day. He was exhausted. So he laid sleeping on a, a pillow, trusting that his men, his guys, would 
row the boat to the other side. And the storm came up. I'm sure when the, they're all fishermen, they're used to being out at night. We hear Peter was out at night fishing all night long when he met Jesus. So they're used to being out at night. And then when the waves came up and the sea came up, I'm sure they really, you know, gave their all. We can do this. We can deal with this. We're fishermen. We're used to this. Let's get to the other side. Until the water started to come in. Hey, we're going to sink. This is not going to, we're not going to make it. We're going to sink. Where's Jesus? He's sleeping. Wake him up. Aren't you concerned we're going to die? Aren't you concerned we're going to sink? Jesus wakes up says, Peace, be still. Don't you have faith, guys? What's going on? Jesus could be asleep because he knew that God's purpose for his life was not over. His purpose was to go to the cross. What is a little storm going to do? So his faith was in God, that God would sustain him and keep him until the right time. So he was comfortable asleep. So these guys, they were all afraid. They got him. And then, wow, who is this guy that says to the wind and the waves, stop it? And it listens. It dawns on them. My goodness, we're in the presence of somebody special. Storms come to our lives. I say there are three ways that storms come to our lives. First, storms come to our lives because we caused it. We caused the storm. When we made wrong choices, when God says go right and we go left, when we don't obey, when we live life our own way, storms will arise. The consequences of our bad decisions will happen. Storms will arise and they'll cause us to sink. They'll cause us to sink. I've worked with drug addicts in Vietnam and uh, stories of drug addicts. Oftentimes, an addict will not change until they're at the last possible destitute bottom. That's when they will want to change. So I've heard of many stories of people who are about to kill themselves and God would step into their lives and say, not now. Not now. You are called to a higher purpose. And many have come to Christ that way. When a drug addict comes to Christ, the change is so dramatic that the whole family is affected. And the whole community comes to Christ because they see the power of God to change a person. Storms come, sometimes caused by other people. 
we don't want those storms, but those storms come to us because of other people's decisions, their bad choices, their bad behavior to us. One of the people that we ministered to in Vietnam was a young lady who was raped by her brother repeatedly, abused, physically abused by her father, her mother, and her brother, and she had come to Christ, and she was ready to give up. She said, why was I born into this world? And one night, she had thankfully given her life to the Lord, but one night, she just, after her brother had gone through a drunken bout and had beat her up, broken, you know, a, a tooth and, and, and kind of destroyed her home, broken up her furniture. She was so destitute that she wanted to go out and commit suicide. And she was outside sitting in the silence saying, that's it, I'm going to jump into the pond and drown myself. And she said at that point, she felt physically the hands of Jesus encircle her and say, I love you. I love you. You are mine. You are mine. Forgive your brother. He doesn't know what he's doing. Forgive him. And she said, just at that point when she was about to give all up, Jesus stepped into her life and showed her that she was of immense value and worth. And that changed her life. So sometimes storms come to us not because we want it, but other people cause storms in our lives. Then the last way that storms come to us is unbidden. We didn't cause it. Other people didn't cause it. It just happens. It just happens. Just like my wife with her ALS. It just happens. And I've learned... The question is not why. Why did these things happen to me? The question is how. How, Lord, would you change me? How, Lord, would you teach me? How, Lord, would you help me to abide with you through this? One thing we need to remember, that in all three cases, Jesus is in the boat. He's in the boat. We may think he's asleep. We may think he's not paying attention. We may think he's not there. But he's in the boat. What made the difference? The difference was when they woke him up and they said, Don't you see the storm? That's how we get our storms stilled in our lives. We ask Jesus to step into the situation. We ask him to step into the situation. Now, as I share, I'm sure the Holy Spirit is probably bringing to your mind all kinds of storms that you are facing right now. The first thing I want to tell you, fear not. Don't give in to fear. 
Don't give in to despair. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Look at Jesus. Where is he? Maybe he's asleep. To us, maybe we think he's asleep. Where is he? Invite him. Lord, I can't handle this. Lord, I can't handle this ALS. Lord, I can't handle this situation with my husband, with my wife, with my kids, with my work. I can't handle this. Please step in. Please do something. And watch. And watch. You'll be amazed when you allow Jesus to step in. Maybe sometimes the storm doesn't go away. But the peace will stay. The peace of Christ that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me pray for you, please. Father, thank you for this, your word that awakens us to the fact that you know intimately any storm and every storm that comes into our lives. And Lord, you are not asleep. You know exactly what we need. So in the name of Jesus, I cast out from this audience any fear. Fear. In the name of Jesus, fear. You are to leave this place. You have no place here. In the name of Jesus, out. Fear. Out you go. Lord, we pray that you would replace it with confidence in you. Replace it with your Holy Spirit's presence. Replace it with the peace of Christ that passes all understanding. Oh Lord, be our guide, be our peace, be the stillness in our storms, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.